0: Ladies and gents, we have a little bit different style show today. This is Jack, and it is Wednesday, July 15th, and I am in an undisclosed location drinking on a beach, which is why instead of our normal conversation before we get to the guest of a show, we are sitting down with Mitch Shulowitz, the other co-host of this very podcast, to talk about his baseball journey. Uh, So Mitch, my guy, my first question for you is, what is your favorite memory of me? (laughs) favorite memory
1: man that's uh wow yeah I like being on the other side where I get to ask questions this is a little harder this is uh but yeah this is a little more challenging well one of my one of my one of my favorite memories of you Jack was actually the first time I got the chance of meeting you on my recruiting visit because originally I was supposed to stay I was supposed to stay with another kid on the team and he got pink eye the, the week I was supposed to come, he got pink eye and uh, they like freaked out and didn't want me to stay with them for obvious reasons and kind of did a little bit of audible and threw me over to you. And I, I think we, uh, you know, got, got along pretty well and had similar upbrings, similar backgrounds and um, was actually part of the reason why I decided to commit to UIC was because I felt like there was just like good relationships, not only with you, but a lot of the guys on the team and was felt really homey and felt. Felt good about where I was going. So that that's one of my most positive memories of you, Jack. You influenced my life in that way.
0: Yeah, well, you're welcome. Getting, getting, um, a, little, getting a little soft and sensitive here. No, here but that's fine. Uh, not to pump my own tires, but I do remember, funny story before we kind of dive in here, in the fall of my, of my freshman year, um, UIC invited all the parents to come down to the facilities. and We had a dinner, and they showed them around. It was kind of like a pre-holiday dinner, I think it was. And my dad was talking to John Flood, who's the recruiting coordinator and pitching coach over at UIC, who's the absolute man, by the way. And my dad walks up to him, and he said something along the lines of, you know, how's Jack doing? And he was looking to get more of a baseball-style answer. And John totally avoided it, and he goes— well, I'll tell you what, he's nailing down recruits every time they stay with him. <laughs> it's an important, it's an important quality,
1: man. It's an important quality. It's hard to find guys that can lock down recruits at the end of the day. It's, I don't know if it's about the coaches or the players. It's all about the guys, so it's a big help.
0: Well, in all seriousness, you do have a journey worth telling. Uh, currently, you are the Upper Midwest Area Scout for the the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we'll get to that in a second, but I want to go back to early days. You were born and raised in Mundelein, attended Mundeline High School, and eventually went on to play college baseball at UIC like we just talked about. Now, what was the recruiting process like for you? Because if you saw Mitch now, you wouldn't be very shocked to hear that he played college and professional baseball just on the way that he's physically built. But younger shoe looked a little bit different, like what you're talking about when I hosted you on the official visit. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was a little unique.
1: Uh, So, just a little bit about like growing up in Mundline, It's a very, uh, it's a very diverse culture. Like socioeconomic-wise, you have like high-end, very wealthy people. You have like low-end, a lot of working class. um, You know, farmer kids, um, people in automotives, a lot of blue-collar jobs. So you kind of have like this mix type of people and I kind of grew up in like that blue collar household, um, you know, kind of parents that preach hard work and, and dedication to whatever you do kind of gets you to where you need to go. So that was kind of always the the culture of my household. So growing up, it was, it was very competitive. Um, it was very like striving to improve and get better. So going into high school, you know, that was always it kind of instilled into my DNA at a young age. Um, so was was very fiery and competitive. And actually, uh, funny story, There's so a guy from my high school pitches in the big leagues right now. Um, he's with the Blue Jays. And I'll never forget my, I think it was my sophomore, junior year. I was out practicing with Varsity. I think it might have been my sophomore year. He was a junior. Um, and I think I made a throwing error because at the time I was just a position player, right? And he was a first baseman. I kind of took him off the line. He started chirping at me. So we, we get back to the water fountain. We like get in between breaks and I just start fucking bitching at this kid. Like me and him are just going at it. And, uh, the, this kid ends up being, you know, 15 round draft pick. He's in the big league, super talented guy. Um, but that was just kind of like my persona, man. I, I was kind of like, uh, hard headed and, and, you know, had, had kind of a lot of fire. So um, taking that through high school and kind of leading the recruiting process. I played basketball in the falls, football in the, in the summers and stuff. So I didn't get a whole lot of chance to kind of dedicate to just like weightlifting or training for baseball. It was always like playing other sports and kind of, um, just going out and competing. So I think in a sense, it, it, it taught me a lot of values going through like that Kind of scenario where a lot of kids you see today, man, it's one sport, it's training all year round. These guys are super physical cats. Like you could show up to the ballpark, and like, Jesus Christ, there's like all these guys look like big leaguers, they're so damn strong. And um, I just never really dedicated to that piece. And part of it was like I didn't really know any better, I didn't really know anyone that did um, dedicate to that physicality piece. So I was super undersized throughout high school, um, super undersized. And I finally grew right around my junior, senior year of high school. Um, you know, it was still five foot nine, but like 145 pounds, 150 pounds, five foot 10. So I had like a growth spurt, but I didn't really put on weight. Um, so every part of my game was like relatively good athlete had arm strength for like my frame, but there just, wasn't enough physicality to do anything, um, was planning on going to college as a position player, wanted to still play middle infield outfield, uh had a good amount of like division three programs i was looking at like university of wisconsin whitewater and some of those like better d3 programs right over the border in wisconsin um because on the line just like where it's located is right up there uh and then came like my junior fall i believe no junior it would have been junior summer it would have been junior summer i got tossed up on the mound i threw a good game and one of my coaches was like hey man like you ever try like try dropping like your arm slot down? Because I always threw from like a three quarter arm slot kind of slinger. So he drops it down to a low three quarter arm slot. Um, and it actually worked way better. I threw way more strikes, got way more movement. My slider was harder and my fastball is harder. So I was like, well, shit, this kind of works. So my coach uh, that summer was like, fuck it. Like, just go out there and, and do what you did in that bullpen. This was now this was before a game i never i didn't practice this i didn't do anything he was like just go out there and try this out like go try it and i'm like all right whatever and we we're in like a semifinal game and like i'm like kind of pissed off he's telling me to do this because i'm like dude i'm going out trying to win this ball game and uh i end up playing this like georgia barons team was pretty good team had some division one commits um i go out and i think i throw like a two or three hitter um You know, missing barrels, striking guys out, and I never did that before. I was always like pitch the contact type deal. So I was like, man, like this is kind of a good deal. So kept kind of going with it. Uh, Ended up pitching at a tournament in like Elgin area. I think I threw like a no hitter or one hitter, and that's where uh, the recruiting or the assistant coach, who's now the associate head coach, uh, Sean McDermott, had saw me there. And actually, a little bit of funny story when he went back. Or um, When he was at that game, he told another coach – I'll leave it disclosed – but he told another coach that my name – was a different guy in my team so like they <laughs> did it they actually they actually started like scouting a different kid on my team thinking it was me um, and that like it was it was kind of like this big like jumble and part of it was like miscommunication with our summer coach and, and it was just kind of a mess but um, kind of like funny funny story it was like all unintentional he didn't mean to like do it but it ended up like happening that way um, so they were like the first team to get on me. You know, they started like messaging me, whatever. Um, they followed up, saw me again throwing the fall. I threw against like the Downers Grove long shots who had a ton of Division One commits, pro guys. And they were there checking up on our future first baseman. Uh, Rico was on that team, Ricardo Ramirez. Um ended up going out there pitching really well. Again, I think I threw like a one or two hitter um, in some big wood bat tournament. And that's when they finally offered me. But at the time, like you were talking about, Jack, I mean, I was 78 to 82 miles an hour. I was still skin and bones. UIC was really the only school to recruit me as a pitcher. Um, So even at that time, I was still like, I don't really know what I am. Like, I don't know if I'm a pitcher or whatever. So I commit to UIC um, as a walk on. So verbal or like, you know, preferred walk on or whatever. I got a spot on the team, but no scholarship go through winter training. And I, I first, it was the first winter. Like I started weightlifting, throwing program, that whole deal, um, started to add a little bit of velocity, had a really good spring. I think ended up being like Lake County player of the year and all state selection, that whole deal. And a bunch of these other teams started getting in the mix, right? Like, and this was kind of like wild west of, of recruiting. It wasn't as, I mean, it hasn't changed that much, but it was a little different. So knowing I was a walk on some teams under the table with some coaches were like, Hey, we got 40%, we got 50%, like kind of dishing under, under the table. And, um, you know, my family didn't really have a whole lot of money. So I explored those options, man. I was like, Hey, like they're going to give me X amount of dollars. I, I don't really have a whole lot of money for school. Um, kind of went back to UIC and they ended up, uh, giving me scholarship after, after this goes down. So, um, come into my freshman year, uh, a pretty confident player still undersized. And I remember my first day in the weight room, <laughs> I remember seeing Alex Yurich. <laughs> I remember seeing Yuriko squat and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> I'm like upstairs benching like one hundred and twenty pounds. I'm squatting like two hundred twenty five pounds. like I can't fucking clean. I can't I could deadlift like a little bit. Um, I couldn't do anything like in in comparison to other guys. And I think part of it was, you know, um, lack of time spent in the weight room, lack of knowledge, but also, um playing some other sports throughout so that was like eye-opening for me man because that was like i saw that and i was like i could do one of two things i could either bitch out and go transfer to a d3 school and be a fucking god on campus and you know play right away and, and be a dude or i could change the way i went about my business in the weight room um eating off the field and it really sparked my knowledge for player development and kind of where my career path had left um But that was super eye-opening for me, and I'll never forget that day in that weight room because it
0: changed my career um, for the better, definitely. Yeah. Let's get to some of your college playing career because I went back and looked up UIC stats, and you had 56 innings over 31 appearances your freshman year. And what you're just talking about was how you were seemingly behind the eight ball and kind of a little bit behind the average incoming freshman. But then in a matter of – you know, five or six months or whatever it is from fall to the spring season. Did something click? Because that's quite a bit of workload for an incoming freshman.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say anything really clicked. I still took the competitive nature I had um, that spring of my high school year, that summer, and kind of brought it in the fall and competed right away. And that was something I always did pretty well was through strikes with two pitches had a pretty good breaking ball, could move the ball around and locate a little bit. I just didn't have the velocity, um, the physicality to be seen as like a professional prospect. Um, So I was able to go out and compete and put up pretty good numbers. And I I think the reason why I was utilized so much that year, one, I I don't think we had definitely didn't have the greatest team that year and and a lot of our arms out out of the bullpen at that point. Um, you know, I don't think we're great that season. We had a lot of injuries at the upper class and stuff. So that was part of the reason. Um, but it was also like the coaches kinda knew what they were gonna get out of me. They knew I was gonna throw strikes, they knew I was gonna get some swing and miss, some ground balls and stuff like that. So they I, I think they just had confidence in what they were gonna get out of me every single day. Um, but in, in terms of where I was at physicality wise and in terms of being a professional prospect, which is what I wanted. Uh, very behind the eight ball
0: for sure. Well, that's kind of a blessing in disguise, I'd say, because the story for a lot of guys is that they had an opportunity come up, they capitalize on it. And then the rest is history. In your case, you bring up, you know, some of the guys on our roster being hurt and maybe you weren't a shoe in, uh, on the roster on paper, you know, but then those guys go down, you get the opportunity throw well. And that's huge because I'd say as a freshman, if you can make an impact right away, that kind of carries with you throughout your career. It's kind of like a lasting memory for coaches, you know. So I don't know if that was something that you kind of experienced, but, um, you know, it seems like whether it was – your growth or just an opportunity from the roster, the way it shook out was was beneficial for you down the road. But what I do remember was as small as we're making you seem, when you left to go play in the prospect league that one summer for Terre Haute, you came back and you just looked like a gorilla. So <laughs> what happened that summer? Did you figure out what creatine was or what?
1: <laughs> Actually, I did. I did start taking creatine that summer. But it was just a combination of... It was a combination of my freshman summer starting to learn what it took in the weight room and how much I had to like actually eat, uh, what kind of lifting style worked for me. So I, I feel like it started my freshman summer, but it really came out at the end of that sophomore year when I was starting to put on weight. So I, I think the foundation was being laid in the weight room at UIC with Nick um, and the great strength coaches over at UIC. and. I continue to carry that just daily commitment to it, and I think it's just kind of one of those things where,
0: when well, so and the schedules when you're playing summer ball, all you're you're usually going to yeah, it's it's a pro style so man you, you play yeah at night it's pro style you got nothing to do during the day besides yeah. work out and recover from you know the yeah for sure
1: dude. For sure, and yeah, no doubt. That sophomore, I, I was getting that sophomore year, I was getting after it. I remember my freshman. Actually, this shows like how much it did change. Um, my or that season going into the year, I remember my first outing. I threw. I was 82 to 84 miles an hour, um, pitching at like 82. And the last game I threw in the championship game, I got a save in like the first game of the championship series. I was like 89 or 89.91 throwing like an 84, 85 on hour slider. And that was, that was the first moment I remember in my career where I was like, okay, I think I, I may have a chance. I may have a chance to be a professional player one day. Um, that was like really eye opening for me. And it was that summer, man. I, I spent a uh, God, you could ask. So my, uh, my roommate, his name was DJ Lee. He played at Richmond. He's actually in the Oakland Athletics organization. His dad's a scout, Um, really good athlete, good player, great kid, like literally one of the nicest kids I ever met. And I felt so bad for him at the end of that summer because he had the car and our host family lived 30 minutes from the the gym. And I made that kid (laughs) take me to the gym every single day. Every single day we were at the gym and you could just tell DJs like, what am I doing here? This sucks. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have a car. I need to do this. Um, that determination and mindset of just I needed to develop. I needed to get bigger. I needed to get stronger was such a big part of my development. And it hurt me at times because I did too much. I didn't recover enough. I didn't sleep enough. My body didn't get enough rest to, to really see the gains from it. And I did have some like arm problems at times because of it, but it did teach me that I needed that. I I absolutely needed that transition. And then I started to find the balance of, okay, I don't need to go work out in the morning, play a full game, and then work out at night every single day. I can pump the brakes, work out three or four days a week, do what I need to do, recover, eat better, do that whole deal. But it it was a learning process. It was a learning curve. And, And that at least taught me the routine of it the discipline and understanding
0: how to to work out in the weight room and and get through that. That's interesting because I know I think you and I are very similar where we're just generally curious people, especially as players, where for me it was when I was coming back from Tommy John surgery. So I believe it was in the same summer as when you were gone. And then I think you it just opens more doors. The more that you learn about stuff and the more that you experiment with things in the weight room or with with your throwing program or whatever it is, you just become, you naturally become more curious because as you're putting in all this work and all this time and energy, in your case, you start having arm issues or whatever it is because uh, you're working out more than you're used to. So then you get curious about, all right, how can I take care of my arm? And then you open more doors that way. So I think it's kind of like a revolving door where the worst thing you can do as a player, and I think everyone knows this, is just kind of sit around. You know, If you really want to if you wanna take your career to the next level, the best thing you can do is learn from failure and then continue to do it.
1: Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. And I I think it takes a certain amount of, not only discipline, but stubbornness, hard-headedness, and you're gonna bang your head against the wall and and do mess up sometimes, right? Like you're, you're gonna do the wrong thing sometimes. Um, Maybe not the most scientific way to go about strength training or eating, but you learn and you learn what works for you because everything is going to be different for each person. There may be guys that can go in the weight room and lift like that, and and their bodies are just able to hold um, that stress. Where other guys like me, I, I wasn't able to do that, but at the same time, I did put on weight. I did put on muscle mass. I did learn, and then I started to kind of manipulate my training schedule to fit what I needed so and I don't think if I didn't go to the extreme of just going hey fuck it man I'm gonna go do this and I'm gonna do it full out and whatever happens happens if I didn't do that first I don't think I would have been able to figure out um, you know how to manipulate and even today man like you said like you have to consistently learn and you have to keep being curious I, I like that word just because it's so important man to to step back in every facet of life and to just think, why why do we do this? Am I doing this because someone told me to do this? Am I doing it because I believe in this? Am I doing this? Like why am I doing this? And just continue to to reevaluate that. It's such an important trait because you'll never improve if you just, like you said, sit on the couch and just wait for something to happen or, or not take ownership and trying to learn more about something.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a huge that's a huge difference between uh, when, when you're a student athlete, whether it's junior college all the way up to division one or even high school or whatever it is, and you're, and you're trying to apply for that next step of your life. You know, you're a high school athlete trying to get into college or you're a college athlete trying to get a job. And the stereotype or the commonly used phrase is that, oh, they're going to love having you because you were an athlete. And everyone thinks that, you know, that means they're going to love having you because you know how to work hard and you know how to do this and you know Mm -hmm. how to do that. And that's not the case. I think it kind of goes back and you can draw more parallels from what you and I are talking about, where I think when you're an athlete, you're automatically put in a position to be answering the question repeatedly, how do I figure this out and how do I get better than the people that I'm playing against? And how do I continue to grow as a person, mm-hmm. as a student, as an athlete and all that? And I think that's what stays with you.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that, dude, that's a great point because I do think employers just see athlete or they see, you know, a, a guy that had a rigorous schedule. And it's like, you, you know as well as I do, how many guys did you play with throughout your career where you're like, that's one of the laziest dudes I ever met? <laughs> like he's a great athlete he's a good player and stuff but when it's all said and done like that attitude is not gonna like, get you in the real world when you have a job and you have to put in long hours and you have to work overtime to get a promotion and uh you know there's stressors in your life at the end of the day athleticism in the game Typically trumps all if you're that athletic, you probably will be a good baseball player. But at some point in life, there is value in having that, like disciplined um, curiosity, willing to just kind of learn more. Um, It it takes you a long way. And that's that's an interesting point from an employer's perspective, because you hear it all the time. It's just you're oh, you're an athlete, like you're going to have a good job or employers are going to love you type deal. And it's just not
0: that simple it's not that simple exactly um, well I want to get back to baseball a little bit but we so we referenced the 2017 team before quite a bit on this show and that was both my last year and your last year at UIC 39 and 17 some school records tons of pro contracts no no biggie but um, that year you played a pretty big role but you had less innings than a normal year for you and you've talked multiple times, um, just in this conversation about how, as a freshman, you had goals uh, to be a prospect and play after college. But you finished the year with twenty two innings and you put up good numbers. But you and I know you can agree to this as well, but the back of our bullpen was so solid, and we had that set order of guys once we got to the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Was there any point in that season um, when mentally you were set on po- on pro ball? that it was difficult for you to have those long-term thoughts while you weren't getting the innings that you were used to? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it it was. It it was. I I think come my – I guess you could go all the way to my senior year. I mean, even talk senior year when you're in your last position to potentially – Catch the scouts' eyes and and get a chance to kind of showcase yourself. Um, you know, I go on the shelf four or five weeks before our senior season starts um, with an injury. Had a chance to be kind of a back end type factor on a really good team. Really liked my chances. Liked where I was at as a player. Um, thought I was in a great position. Go down with an injury and miss that first three or four weeks of the season. Um, and right as it happens, we got, a, we got guys that step up cause we had a ton of great players, right? Um, we had Alex Padilla come in, all American comes in. Nobody saw it coming, right? Alex Padilla steps in, pitches phenomenal. So now we got a ninth inning guy that's locked up. Connor Ryan comes in, right? Preseason was kind of a draft prospect going in. So he's got that position locked up. Signs uh, with pit, the Reds. Signs with the Reds in the eighth round. Um, seventh inning slot. I'm like, okay, like that's my deal. So I I go out there and I'm pitching really well. And uh, we have a sophomore at the time that has a huge jump, starts pitching really well. We're both pitching well, earning that spot. And he kind of gets a little bit of a bump and moves into that seventh inning role. And I'm like, fuck, man, like, what do I got to do do to get meaningful innings, you know? And he's Uh, now with the A's. And he's now at the A's, right? So, like, when you look at it in paper and you look at it in hindsight, the coaching staff made all the right decisions. They put the right people in the positions they needed to be. It was just I was kind of that odd man out in the way our bullpen was set up. And you can look at it from Connor Ryan was a lower slot sinker slider guy. I was a lower slot sinker slider guy. Kind of mix it up in the rotation to put, you know, Cerny in the seventh inning and give a different look. So I, I totally, like, got the whole – thought behind it. But at the same time, there's a little bit of bitterness there as as a competitor and an athlete who wants to play because I knew I wanted to play professionally. I knew I could perform and I knew I could help our team win. um, But we had other guys that could do it as well. So uh, it was a tough situation, man. That was hard for me. It was hard for me. It was hard for me. I'd be lying if I didn't say the conference championship was one of the greatest experiences of my life. But it was also one of the hardest, and it really checked me as a human being, and I had to be a great teammate in that in that time. And I feel like I handled it very well, but deep down, I was really frustrated and upset that I didn't get an opportunity to pitch in that tournament, because I felt like I earned it, and I understood why I wasn't out there. But I also knew as a senior, as a guy the pitching staff looked up to, I had to be a good teammate, be supportive of my guys. But it would it would be, I would be lying if I told you it didn't bother me, you know, to a personal level. And I think it would, anyone that wanted to be out there, you know. Um, For sure. So that that was I hard. Think,
0: and, sorry to cut you off, but I think no, like you're what good. you're saying earlier is, is you go through your career with those goals and then it comes down to your last year and you're hoping to sign. And then... You're looking at a, a, a junior college transfer, two junior college transfers, and a sophomore that are throwing in the back end of the games like you were planning on doing. But um, So ultimately, the, the draft comes and goes. We've told this story before on this podcast. Um, Mitch and I both went undrafted, but you went on to sign a free agent deal with the Kansas City Royals. And at that point, I'm sure you kind of knew that as a, free, as a free agent sign, you had to go into camp and put up numbers right away and and kind of separate yourself from everybody else to stick around. And you did. You had 15 strikeouts in 15 innings, and you had good stuff. And uh, What was your expectations of playing affiliate, and how quickly did that change based off of what you went through?
1: I was still super confident that I had the ability. Having a little bit of a background in scouting and kind of understanding a little bit what scouts were looking for, I felt like I had enough. To at least get an opportunity. So after the season ends, I don't pitch much the last month of the season, even after having a pretty good year. Uh, and part of it was our starters when so, like, you, Jake Reed, always went five, six innings. So <laughs> being that guy, kind of that odd man out, it was like, it was hard to find innings. Um, so after the season ends, uh, I kind of got some buzz, kind of got a call in like the 32nd round from a team asking if I'd signed for whatever, ended up going you know, undrafted free agent. And I waited about a month before I started kind of looking at like the independent baseball route, because at that point I was kind of in the season, I was training, I felt great. I was ready to go out and compete. I was kind of sick of just training at home, Uh, was coaching a summer league baseball team and was like, I'm going to start trying out for some independent leagues. So I went to a couple different showcase, workout, whatever deals. And I am two days away from signing with the Evansville Otters with the coach, actually the head coach that I played summer ball with my sophomore year out in Terre Haute. Same coach, close to signing with those guys. And Sean McDermott, the assistant coach at UIC, calls me up and is like, Mitch, don't sign just yet the area codes workout, 15 new area codes workouts going on Naperville, Naperville college or Naperville university or whatever it is, North central, North central college. There's a 15 new area codes workout. He's like, I talked to one of the scouts there, go out to the field, show up and ask him if you can throw. And I'm like, all right. So, (laughs) so so
0: nobody, nobody at the field actually knew you were
1: coming. No. No, Mac, Mac, Sean McDermott literally called me and was like, "Just go to this field." I talked to one of the scouts, like, "Just go to the field and ask them if you can throw." So <laughs> I show up to this field, and mind you not, like, area code is pretty competitive. It's a good, uh, you know, good. good tryout. Like these kids are physical, they're big, and I fit. Just, I fit in, man. <laughs> I was yeah. five nine, righty. I'm like, all right, I can fit in with these guys. So I waited at that field for this whole showcase to end. It took about four hours before I was finally allowed to start warming up, put my cleats on. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to let it eat. I'm going to throw as hard as I can. I'm going to try to bite it off as nasty as I can and just try to get a contract here. That's like literally all I want. So playing catch with some 15 year old throwing and it's coming out good, man. Like, it has not come out of my hand like that. And while meanwhile I was training the last month, like pretty hard, was on a weighted ball program doing this whole deal. It was coming out real good. And, and the kid catching me, the fifteen year old, I felt bad for him, man, like handcuffing him. He's just never <laughs> caught something like that at that time. And he's like, How hard you throw like, how hard you throwing? And I'm like, I don't know, man. 8890, like that's pretty much what I am. He's like, All right, it looks fast. I'm like, all right, good. So I hop <laughs> on the mound, throwing from like Sidearm, low three quarter whatever just letting it loose man spinning it off felt like I had a good workout left the field I had one scout come up to me and he goes you know I'm so-and-so Kansas City Royals and uh you know it, it I'm gonna try to get something done we have one spot open I really like you we're gonna try to get something done um you know give me a few days type deal. And I just ask him, I'm like, I'm just curious, how hard was I throwing? And he's, he's like, you were 91 to 94 throwing an 86 pounder slider. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) So me like a month ago, you know, I'm 88, 90, but I took that whole month to train kind of recovered from the season, was able to get my best bullets. Um, It was up to 94 that day from like that little three quarter slot. So long story short, a couple days later, uh, get a phone call from the Royals. Tell me I'm going to the Arizona League, step in the Arizona League. It's one of those things you think like professional baseball, like, I'm, I, you know, I, I made it type deal. And you get there and you're playing in front of no fans. You're the oldest kid on the team. You're playing with kids who you don't speak the same language as. You're playing with a bunch of 17-year-olds. Uh, the games are terrible. There's five errors a game. It's a total development league. Five errors a game. The earned run average is ridiculous there. The ball flies there. So you're just – Going from playing in a regional in front of, you know, 7,000 fans or whatever to this atmosphere of like, this is professional baseball. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. But it it was such an accomplishing feeling, uh, kind of going through that adversity of my career of having like ups and downs and, and moments where I felt like I could have contributed and I just like needed the opportunity. So it was really it was a really good feeling getting that opportunity and going in my first year. Uh, and having success and understanding that I could pitch at the professional level. And I I was, you know, I earned that. I earned that right to go out and and compete, which was a good feeling for me.
0: And you had good numbers. You had 15 punch outs and 15 innings and the stuff was working. I remember talking with you while you were there and and you were, you said what you said earlier where it was coming out well and you're getting guys out. Um, Was there anything that like interesting that happened? I know sometimes when guys do get released, it's a very surprising thing. You know, I've heard stories about where guys have a great outing during the day, and they get back to the clubhouse, and they have their plane ticket sitting on their um, in their locker, and they look at the purchase date, and it was from the night before, so it was like a predetermined thing. Was there anything like that that happened to you, or is it just kind of a organizational organizational move? You know, knowing that you were a year and a half older than the average people there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to that at the end of the day, I, I think they gave me, they gave me innings in spring training. They gave me a chance to go on and compete. I threw really well in spring training. Um, and I think just in their system, I was older at the level I was going to go to. They did talk to me and basically said, funny story, actually the day I got released or the day, yeah, the day I got released, I went through, Bunk coverages. I went through full practice, full game, full workout after. Ate dinner. Was like done for the day. Going back to my hotel and I got canned like before. Right when well they, I guess they couldn't like find me. I don't know what happened. They couldn't find me in in the facility to like release. Me. And all my buddies were getting released. Like everyone's getting released. I'm still hanging around. I'm thinking like, ah, oh, I got a shot here. <laughs> I'm still here at the end of the day and uh, they pulled me out of out of the uh, locker room. I was basically you know, organizational decision. And um, I, I think part of it is when you're that age, unless I showed up throwing 97, I think there was a little bit of predetermination. I think I really probably had to showcase something electric um, rather than just go kind of did what I did last summer, showed some velo, showed some stuff, got outs, but it just wasn't enough to be like, that guy is going to go to high a, you know, as a 23-year-old, where they were going to have to send me the rookie ball, I would have been one of the oldest in the rookie ball. and it was just it was one of those deals. man, it was it was my time. So
0: yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it, I mean, it's the <laughs> shitty part of it, but at the end of the day, minor league baseball is a young man's game. So
1: For sure, the worst oh. part about it was my parents were on a train ride. They took a train to Arizona from Chicago. <laughs> to well, that's ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why they did that, but they took the train to Chicago, from Chicago to Arizona and they got in the day I got banged. Unreal. Like, pull up to the station. I call my dad. Like, yeah, well, you can go home now. They got a train back to Chicago or what? So yeah. yeah did you get fun. a
0: round trip or a one way? Yeah. Yeah. So about that ticket. <laughs> Just um, stay on the damn train. Well, earlier you mentioned Indy Ball and how you were pretty close to signing the summer before you played with the Royals. So after you were released, did the thought of moving on ever enter your head? You eventually went on to play for the Schaumburg Boomers in the Frontier League, which is an independent league here in the Midwest, but that's a tough situation to be in cuz you were doing pretty well with the Royals on paper and then after you were released, your only option at that point um, is to come home, play indie Ball and then have hopes that you get signed again.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of the mindset going in. I was gonna give it one year, um, train really hard throughout that season. I knew I needed to add more velocity, kind of get my stuff up to um, you know, the industry standards. So that was kind of my mindset going in there. But part of me was also, part of me also realized I had an opportunity to go back home, pitch in front of fans, pitch with kids that were really good players in independent leagues pitch in front of my family um and just kind of relive like that sophomore summer of summer ball baseball where you're a professional athlete uh small town everybody kind of loves you it's fun atmosphere um i was already in shape i was already preparing to play that season so to not play to just kind of stop at that point um would have been giving in and I wasn't ready. I still felt confident that I had the ability to go out and compete. And I think that was the main driving force. Obviously I wanted to get signed again. Um, I started about two or three months into that season. We had a kid on our team that was throwing like a hundred and he was still on our team and everyone in the bullpens like until that guy gets signed, none of us are signing an affiliate contract because he's yeah. just better than us. So yeah. it, it, by, by the time you got there and I still saw this kid in our bullpen, I'm like, shit, man, like I'm probably, I'm probably not getting picked up this year. And and I had thoughts about going back to play the following year um, until I was in Traverse city through a change up to a kid and kind of felt something in my shoulder kind of shook it off threw another change up and actually punched the kid out on and I had this sharp pain run from my neck all the way really like from my shoulder all the way up to halfway through my neck um, and all range of motion was lost I couldn't move my arm and I knew I knew something was wrong I, I obviously thought, something bad had happened but you you never know like when you're in the moment and you have a serious injury and you feel it that's when you know it's kind of bad just because with like the adrenaline you know how it is with the adrenaline everything going on you never feel like these minor aches and pains so when you have a serious injury you kind of realize it after after that adrenaline wears down you know severe pain in the shoulder uh lost range of motion found out i actually tore my labrum um, as well as strained my had like a second or third grade strain or whatever they call it in my lat that actually caused the to labor from to go as well. So that was kind of like the deciding factor for me that I wasn't going to go through the labor and surgery, try to come back and play. Um, I was kind of like at peace with where I was at career wise. So I was I was cool with moving on.
0: This might be kind of a dark question, but were you were you almost glad that an injury pushed you out? Were you glad that you didn't have to make the decision, say you were in full health and you are up in the air about going back and you thought you still had more in the tank and you wanted to get signed and now you're, you know, 25, 26, thinking about playing indie ball for another year. Were you almost glad that something popped up to give you that, that final decision maker, like you said, right there where you're, yeah. All right, I'm content with my career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. I-, I think it was a blessing in disguise. I think there's a chance if I get through that season healthy, I was actually planning on going up to driveline to go train. Um, I-, I think I think I go and tried to prolong the inevitable and in going through the cycle of training, competing, training, competing, trying to get better. I, I think I think I knew. My talent and my ability was close, if not maxed out from the way I went about my business previously, but it was so hard for me to admit that on my own. So I do think the injury was a blessing in disguise and helped me kind of move on to the next part of my career, which is what I needed to do definitely. But it would have been, I wouldn't have made that decision on my own. I don't think,
0: I I don't, I don't think I would have. Yeah. That's a tough conversation to have with yourself because you see guys all the time, they get lost in that rat race, and they're always looking for a different way to get better. And next year, next year, next year is going to be the year. And it just, like you said, prolongs the inevitable. So um, that's a good transition, though, because after you wrapped up in Schaumburg, you went on and, and you came actually uh, back to UIC um, as a volunteer assistant coach, and that kind of kickstarted your um, post-career life in baseball. So what was it like going back to UIC and, and being on the other side of things?
1: It was great, man. It definitely gives you a different perspective as a player. And I think like we talked about before, I was a little bit bitter as a player at times when I thought I should have been playing and, and had earned the opportunity to compete. But then you start to understand their side of, of, of things and you get a better understanding of how they look at the game and what they're trying to do. And it, it helped me. Be at ease with that senior season of, of being pretty bitter and, and pretty, pretty you know, upset at times. Um, so it gave me a different perspective for sure. The volley job I recommend for any any young guy that's trying to stay in baseball. I think take a volunteer job at any place that you can get, and it'll teach you so much. Not only about the game, but just how to go about your daily life, your business. It'll teach you how to become super resilient, super uh, able to budget your money well. Like just under <laughs> seriously though, like it, it it teaches you so much, and you learn so much more about coaching and what actually goes into a high level program, a successful program. There's so much little shit and things you don't want to do every day that you have to do. And it, it, definitely, it definitely gives you a better perspective and helps you respect what your coaches go through on a daily basis and the grind that those guys and the passion they have. Uh, it gives you a much better perspective. I mean, for one example, my first two months of the job, I didn't make enough money to live in the city, didn't have enough save because I was out playing pro ball. I would take the train from Munline, which is an hour train ride. Uh, I think it was the earliest train. I think it left at like four something because I try to get to weights wait, at six o'clock with those guys to be in the weight room. So it left like four or whatever in the morning. Get off the train. You got to walk 30 minutes to get to UIC from the train. So it's an hour and a half commute there. Uh, you get through weights. You get your own workout in because you want to stay in shape. You're dead tired by nine o'clock. Your job hasn't even started yet, and you're dead tired by 9 o'clock. So you kind of have to get your little power nap in. You, you get really good at the 20-minute power nap. You get your power nap in. You get your coffee. You get your food. Um, and then from 10 o'clock till the end of practice, it's full go, man. I mean, you're you're, look, you're constantly looking at emails, practice plans, uh, you're upstairs checking nets, checking machinery, balls, everything, and making sure stuff's ready for practice, making sure stuff's set up, making sure the players know what they're supposed to do going to the practice. Like you're just, you're doing, you're a jack of all trades when you're doing that volunteer job, and you learn how to do just everything. You get, you get to bring in everything. You get to sit in the meetings with the head coach and the assistant coach. You know, you get to do a little bit of the recruiting stuff. You just, there's just so many things you get to do. And it's so important because you learn so much more. So you go through that whole process and now practice done at seven o'clock and you got to make your bucks. So you got to either stay and do facility work for 15 or $10 an hour or whatever it is, right? For two or three hours before you got to catch the night train to go back home and do it all over again the next day. Um, Or you got to find a way to run camps. And fortunately in Chicago, it's a great setup for camps. There's a lot of kids, a lot of players. Uh, so you do get a great opportunity to make some money that way. But that's your daily routine, man. That's your daily routine. I did that for two months and I, I got to the point where I was like, man, I'm just wasting so much time in this commute. So three or four of the days out of the week, I actually would sleep on different players' couches. So that, <laughs> like when we had lifting the next morning, so say we had a lift on on Monday, I'd go down on a Sunday you know, for practice and I just sleep on the guy's couch. Like I wouldn't hang out with them. I wouldn't do anything. Like I would just get there late at night, sleep on their couch, we'll wake up at five and go do it again. So I was doing that three or four days a week. I'm sleeping on these guys' couches, uh, just couch surfing, bouncing around from apartment to apartment, uh, getting some sleep. So it's 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 a unique job, but it teaches you a lot. And you definitely are grateful when you finally get an opportunity that's paid, you're in the game you love, it, it it definitely puts some perspective into things, and you definitely appreciate that a lot more.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, NCAA, if you're listening, um, please start paying a third assistant. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. uh, so being on that side <laughs> of the game, you, you touched on it a little bit with recruiting and player development and uh, kind of having an eye for talent we mentioned at the top of the show that you're now one of the area guys for the Dodgers. Um, talk to me like I'm 12. What was the process like for you going from college baseball, getting into, um, scouting and kind of how you got to the role you're in today?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I mean, I, to, to start in the beginning, I always had a passion for scouting, recruiting, understanding people like psychology, uh, you know, player development, body moves. So the scouting just like takes all of that into consideration. Right. You had to interact with players. You have to understand them. You have to ask them questions to get better information out of them. So you have that communication piece. You have the psychology piece of understanding. Um, can this guy be a professional athlete just based off his his makeup and kind of moxie about him? So you have that piece, but then you also have the body movement piece, where you're watching this player and you're like, okay, is this guy a good enough athlete? And you're constantly assessing things and putting them together. And I think it was a perfect role for me uh, because those are all things I really enjoy doing. Like we talked er- earlier, Jack, like we're both very curious people. So when we come across a problem, we think about it. You you think about how to solve it. You think about, it. and sometimes that's not always great because sometimes it's good to listen to your gut and just go with it. Um, but that's just how I am. So took an internship with Prep Baseball Report in high school. I mean in college. Kind of sparked my interest. Loved scouting, loved the atmosphere of the job, just being around other baseball guys all the time. So having that on my resume with the background in psychology, with my degree communications, and then getting my master's in movement science, it was kind of that perfect storm of things for this job. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to go into scouting. So uh, meeting some people through playing as well as the volunteer job, getting good recommendations from the coaches over at UIC um, who really fought for me uh, to, to get this position because they knew it was something I wanted um, and getting just an opportunity, an interview. And, and you go through the same process, man, as you would with any job, right? So my first interview was a phone call. You have a phone call, you get a little basic, base, basic information. Okay. You're on the short, you're on this long list of candidates, whatever. Um, I went through two more phone calls before I got invited to go to, uh, Florida for a big showcase tournament deal. Um, and when I went to Florida, I was basically passed off between multiple different cross checkers, national scouts, and I would just sit at the field and evaluate these players and, and I've never done this before I have no idea what the hell I'm doing I still don't know what I'm doing right and that, that, that's kind of the fun thing about scouting is you can you can be wrong uh, but there's a there's a way to go about it right like people are gonna be wrong in that industry it's just the nature of the game it, it's too hard to predict um, these scouts are asking me all these questions picking my brain I like went through this grueling like three-hour interview session and I got on the plane and I just remember, I was like, there's no way I got this job. There's no way I'm getting another interview for this job. There's zero chance. I, there was multiple times when they would ask me something, I'd be like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't have any experience here. Um, they brought me back in. And I think part of it is they just liked me as a person, being able to socialize. And I, I think they liked my ability, like we talked, to just think, to process things and think through and kind of bring all the pieces together and then make an an informed decision. And I was going to give you my opinion. I was going to give you what I thought and not be influenced by others. And I think that's a big part in scouting because it is easy to get influenced by other people's opinions on guys. So go through that whole process, uh, get a final interview, uh, meet with the scouting director, a bunch of cross checkers, whole deal. They sit me down and I'm like, how much more of this interview process can we do? You got like, we just got hammered for however long in Florida, or whatever gone through phone interviews. And they did another like two, two and a half hour interview in person. And it was, it was extensive, Jeez. man. It was, it was like the first, and it was my first job interview I've ever gone through. So I was like, this is the process I've had five different, um, but it shows you, man, they're very, they're very intellectual people that, are able to really, they're really good at assessing people. They're really good at understanding people and they have a great method of going through their candidates and making sure that they're making the right decision. And it's no different in scouting, man. That's what you do in scouting. So the interview process was the same, right? They're just picking your brain and picking you apart and trying to figure out um, who you are. So it was a fun process, stressful process for sure. And part of me felt like I should have been more stressed through it. So, like, my first interview, it's my dream job. But I didn't feel, like, that overwhelmed because I was so fucking clueless (laughs) on, like, (laughs) what the job really entailed. Like, I didn't know anything about it. So I was so fucking clueless that part of it is like that freshman year wide-eyed player that comes in and has never been talked to and he goes out and fucking rams it. And you're like, how the hell is this kid doing it? It's because, like, No one's talking to him. He's too dumb to realize. He's too dumb to realize. Yeah. He he doesn't even know where he's at. And that was kind of me through the process. So, um, But it worked out, man, with a great organization that are amazing at developing their workers. From the moment I took the job, still, I'm constantly learning and it's because the people that are above me are constantly training you and testing you and getting you to think and you constantly learn so it's great man great man. great atmosphere great organization
0: all right shu well thank you for uh, filling the void while i'm on vacation this week and um as we start to wrap up the interview here question do you have any questions for me not the moment man appreciate you
1: for for having me on i'm uh, looking forward to being able to do this to you and hammer you with some questions in the in the near future hopefully Perfect.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Shulowitz. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Jack.